It's Palm Sunday. And I love it because whether you are an adult in this room or you are in our children's program, everybody today is learning what Palm Sunday is. You know, Palm Sunday is beautiful. It's beautiful because it's the week before Jesus gave his life on the cross for you and I. It's the the week before our salvation, come on, was realized in the death and resurrection of Jesus. Mm -hmm. And what's so beautiful about Palm Sunday, it was the entrance into Jerusalem where Jesus was seen as king. If you read in the scriptures, um, we're actually, let's go, go ahead, let's scooch ahead over to John chapter 12, if we could do that on the screens. John chapter 12. What I love about this is we're going to see some wonderful things in this scripture. In John chapter 12, it says, the next day, the news that Jesus was on the way to Jerusalem swept through the city. A large crowd of Passover visitors took palm branches and went down the road to meet him. Now, let me tell you why this is so important. This was important because to put palm branches down on the ground, to place cloaks on the ground for someone's arrival was an arrival fit for a king. So the people were recognizing in their own eyes, in their own way, from their own perspective, what Jesus would be as a king to them. And they shouted, praise God, blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hail to the king of Israel. Now I want to share with you, it says, many in the crowd had called. They came because they saw Jesus call Lazarus from the tomb. So all these people are gathering because they had known that Jesus had raised Lazarus from the dead. And raising him from the dead, they were also telling others about it. So whether you saw it firsthand or you heard about it, there was a large crowd gathering. Hear me. There were people from all over the region. People gathered from all over the region because they were going to be celebrating Passover together. So you had people from Pahrump, Boulder City, St. George, kind of like that. So if you think about that, people would travel, whether it's 50 miles, 100 miles, they were coming to Jerusalem to celebrate that. That's the reason why so many went out to meet them, because they wanted to see, they'd heard about these miraculous signs. That's right. Now I want to share with you. That in this story, you may be thinking, well, what does Palm Sunday have to do with I'm relational? Mm -hmm. Do you know that there's relational gold that we can pull out from the week before Jesus' death on the cross and his resurrection? We're going to find relational gold in here. And so the title of our message today is, I'm relational, cross or crowd. That's right. I'm relational, cross or crowd, because we're going to see these interactions between Jesus and the crowd on his way to the cross. See, today we want to focus on two relational characteristics, two of them. We're going to pull two things out this morning Mm -hmm. that, that really show us how to be relationally well. Do you know Jesus modeled what it looked like to be relationally well? That's right. Even under the immense pressures of the cross and of the crowd. So what's fun is in this um, relational collection of talks, um, today we're going to simply go through the portion of scripture uh, the week before Jesus' death and his resurrection. And so uh, that's what found in John chapter uh, 12. But also I want you to know that we're going to take some relational lessons from Palm Sunday. And so everything that Jesus did, he was relational. Can I get an amen, everybody? Right? Everything he did, he was relational. And so with that, there's two things that we want to talk about today is secure in identity and compassion for humanity. This is all about Jesus today, that we are to be secure in our identity, and we are to have compassion for humanity. And friends, they go together like peanut butter and jelly, everybody. (laughs) Amen and amen, all right? And so what else? Uh, They go together like like, like Dr. and Pepper. Like coffee and cream. And coffee and cream. No, no, no. 
Um, <laughs> he drinks no, his coffee black. No, you keep it black. <laughs> you know, you know, I'm a man. And so anyways, um, and so I want you to turn again to John chapter 12. And this is what I want you to see. I want you to see that it's, it's, it's here, John chapter 12. It's in the next day, there was a large crowd because they heard what Jesus did. And so they laid down those palm branches, and they go to the next slide. Many in the crowd saw that Jesus had raised Lazarus from the dead. And so here's a crowd following Jesus. And what's interesting is we're looking at their motives now. Why are they following Jesus? Are they following him because he is the Messiah, because he is the Savior of the world? Or are they following him for what he can do or for what he did? And so with that, they're following him. They say, this is the king. This is the guy who does miracles. He raised people from the dead. And then the very next, uh, in, in, verse uh, in verse 37, it says, but despite all the miraculous signs Jesus did, most people still did not believe him. They still did not believe him. And so what we really want to pull out of this today is I want you to walk out of this room today going, I know who I am in Christ, and I have compassion for humanity. I'm secure in my identity, and I have compassion for humanity. So the first lesson is it's secure in identity. Jesus knew who he was, and he knew what he came to do. And many of us, they had a different perspective. Pastor Lindsay said, they wanted a king, and they said, the king is here, and, 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 and the king of Israel. But at, during those times, they were looking for a king to be political. They were looking for a king to, to overthrow the government. They were looking for a king that they can vote in, a king that they can say, this guy's our, he's our answer to everything that we've been praying for. He is the, he is the, the, you know, the fulfillment of the Old Testament, but they were really taking it out of different contexts. Jesus came to be the king of kings, the Lord of lords, but he knew who he was, but he very well could have pivoted and said, I like this, you know, like I like people, uh, you know, bringing in palm branches. And, and the donkey, believe it or not, was actually a prestigious animal at that time. And so this was all wonderful and this was incredible. But it's secure in his identity. He knew who he was and he knew what God had sent him to do. He said, this, you know, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, let your will be done. You know, uh, the food I have is not food from you, but food that I have in my Father. And so, friends, here's kind of the, here's kind of the interesting thing, is that when, you, when you're secure in Christ, the problem is you're going to disappoint a lot of people. And so if you read the Bible, if you read in the Gospels, Jesus disappointed a lot of people. He disappointed a lot of people. Now, Pastor Lindsay and I, we, in, in our six-year run of this church, we have never disappointed a single person in our church. You disappointed me this morning. It's amazing. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I, he got me a hot chai. Guys, I, I don't drink I hot forgot. chais. I drink ice chais. <laughs> Nice try. So, but I want you to know that he disappointed a lot of people because, because he was doing the will of the Father. Right. And it's not always a popular thing right. to know who you are in Christ. Right. And how does this translate to us as friends? People are going to impose false expectations on Jesus, mm -hmm. and they're going to impose false expectations on you. Whenever you're in a relationship, people are going to impose their thoughts, their expectations, yeah. what they'd like to see in yeah. your life. And if it happened to Jesus, guess what? It can happen to us too. See, relationally well individuals, I want us to see this. Relationally well individuals can define his or her own life's goals and values. So Jesus knew what his goal was. He knew his goal was the cross. It was the redemption of the world. It was yeah. paying the price of sin apart from the pressures of those around them. 
Right. And so we've got to be able to define our values, who we are, mm -hmm. apart from the expectations of other people. Yeah. See, Matthew 3.17 says, this is when Jesus was getting water baptized. And it says from that in heaven, there was a voice that came from heaven and said, behold, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Yeah. See, Jesus was only focused on pleasing the father. And the that helps us when we have these false expectations being placed on us, either by ourselves or by other people. Yeah. Does this please the father? Yeah. Or is my aim to please others or is my aim yeah. to please the father? See, we also experience the false pressures, the false expectations of others and ourselves. Yeah. If Jesus experienced it, we're going to experience it. And so let me just show you a couple, and you may, you may relate to either one or all of these. We, we, we have these same pressures from also false expectations. Yeah. Pressure of performance, right? I am what I do. I got to perform. I got to perform. I got to perform. I got to hustle. I got to hustle. What about pressure of possessions? I've got to have the material things. I've got to buy a house by this age, right? I've got to have investments by this age. I've got to have everything set. That's right. I have to have possessions. That's good. Pressures of popularity, mm -hmm. a.k.a. people-pleasing. Yeah. I've got to please people. I've got to, I've got to have people affirming around me. I've got to always have people liking me, and so therefore I have to please them. I have to meet their expectations, even if they're false. You know, Jesus had expectations. I want you to think about the pressure that he was experiencing. Here he is on this triumphal entry into Jerusalem. And people are saying, hail King Jesus, hail the king, right? The king has arrived. But yep. think about the pressure that he was under between the crowd, right? What people wanted from yep. him, the expectations they had of him. Yep. But also think of the pressures of the cross. He had been trying to get his disciples up to speed. Like, I am going to leave you. You can't go where I'm going. I'm going to suffer. Jesus was trying to prep those he loved. He was speaking to the crowd, letting them know this is about to happen. And so you've got in just less than a week's time, the crucifixion. And then you have here the false expectations of, I'm not what they want, yeah. but I'm what they need. Yeah. Can you imagine the pressures? They want an earthly king, but God's like, I'm a heavenly king. Not just an earthly king to rescue you from Rome. I'm here to rescue you yep. from sin That's and right. death. Amen. So those pressures affect us too. I mean, can you imagine that? Can you imagine the healthiest version of yourself is the one that will disappoint others? Wow. Wow. I want that to sink in sometimes. Because yeah. a lot of times we have a mandate from God or call from God. Or God speaks to us. Or God says, hey, or maybe you're sitting in this room and you're going, I have no idea what that is. It's in his word. It's from, from Genesis to Revelation that we can be able to see God's promises. We can be able to see God's guidance and his direction. That's where the Holy Spirit goes, man, I need you to turn to Matthew chapter 12. You're like, Matthew chapter 12, you begin to read that and it's going to hit you like a ton of bricks. But I got to challenge you though. This, what influences my identity more? Is it the, the cross or is it the crowd? Does the crowd sway us more? And, and, and friends, the crowd, it's tangible. It's here. I can see it. I can hear it. Uh, I can smell it sometimes, right? You know, uh, but it, it is here among us. And so a lot of times, man, we give in to the crowd instead of giving in to the cross. And so you might say, what does that look like? Let, let's break it down a little bit. So cross or the crowd. Uh, the first one would be, am I living a life that pleases Jesus? Or am I living a life that pleases people? And, and, and friends, if you... 
if you've been to, uh, you know, if you call Avenue Church home or you, if you know the Bosmas, right, you know that I am a, I love pleasing people. Like we're in the, we're in the business of hospitality, right? Like, like I will, I will try to win somebody over. Uh, you know, I was at the hospital this week with my 90-year-old grandmother winning over doctors and nurses, you know, just, uh, that was funny. Why aren't you laughing? But I want you to know, man, are we living a life that pleases Jesus or are we living a life that pleases people? Now, that does not mean we become grumpy Christians. Amen. How many know what I'm talking about, Amen. right? Like, you're going to hell. Like, that's that. Well, yes. Like, uh, we had to find that balance between uh, being so heavenly minded, we're no earthly good. But, man, my God, help me find some people that are heavenly minded, yeah. that we're following the cross, but we're blessing people. Our next one is who, who, am I who they say I am? Or am I who Jesus says I am? And I really uh, praying about this this morning. There's been some words that were spoken to individuals, myself included, at a very young age. Maybe somebody says something. Maybe it was off the cuff. Maybe uh, our parents or a, a mentor in your life, our grandpa or grandma, accidentally had a weak moment and they said something like, that's stupid or idiot or whatever name it is or, or you'll never fill in the blank and you've held on to that identity your entire life and you have to ask the question, am I who they say I am or am I who God's word says I am? Amen. Am I fearfully and wonderfully made? Am I God's masterpiece? Does God really have a plan for my life? Right. And so I want right. you to really ask those questions. Is it my identity influenced by the cross or is it influenced by people? Because yeah. I want you to know lesson number two is as we begin to ask questions about who we are, you know what begins to happen is compassion for humanity becomes our second lesson. Right. And friends, I mean, we were mulling over this all week long, going, man, Jesus knew who he was. Yeah. But then because he knew who he was, he knew what to do. That's right. Jesus was secure in his identity as the, you know, son of God. He knew his identity as not an earthly king but a heavenly king. He knew who he was, but because he knew who he was, then he had a job to do. Same thing goes for us, church. If we know who we are in Christ, and, we, man, and, it, and it's daily, it, it is a daily battle of reminding myself who I am in Christ. But once I become secure in my identity, then I know what to do. I begin to have compassion for humanity. We, we love mental health. We love boundary series, sitcom series last year. I want you to watch all that on our YouTube channel. But I want you to write this down. True, authentic love for people is a byproduct of a deep love for Jesus. True, authentic love for people, loving our neighbor, is a byproduct of a deep love for Jesus. When I begin to realize how much God loves me, and I begin to realize what my identity is in Christ, I can't help but to love people. It is not just people who look like me and talk like me. It is all people. Can we get a good amen this morning, right? And so here's Luke 19. So Jesus, so, and this is a different perspective of the same story. Right. And so Jesus is Palm Sunday. They lay the branches down. He goes into the city. They're getting ready for the arrival of the king. And then Jesus comes closer to Jerusalem. And he saw the city ahead, and he begins to weep. He begins to cry. We know Jesus wept with Lazarus, but he's weeping again. And he said, how I wish today that you of all people would understand the way to peace. Now, I'm going to give you kind of a fun Bible story, a Bible uh, lesson here. Jerusalem actually means the city of peace. 
And Jerusalem means the city of peace, but Jesus looks at them and says, oh, I wish they had peace. So Jerusalem was the city of peace, yet they didn't have peace because in Luke 19, 44, they said, because you did not recognize it when God visited you. So Jesus is looking at the city of peace, saying they don't have peace because he didn't recognize who was giving out peace. And so this is what it says, the city of peace rejected the prince of peace because he didn't recognize that God was with them. So many times we, we look to the crowd for that peace. So many times we look out there. Uh, for, for some of us, we got a goal in our head. That pastor, man, I, I'll get involved or I'll do this or I'll do that once I hit that goal. Once I get to that place. Because that, that place is going to give me peace. That place is going to give me security. That place will actually, if we really get deeper, that place will begin to, begin to confirm who I think I am instead of who the cross says that I am. Be in our relationships where we're like, man, I don't like this turmoil. I don't like this conflict. I don't like this yeah. tension underneath the surface. And yep. it could be that we're looking to find that fulfillment and peace yep. in other things other than Jesus. And other things other than the Prince of Peace. 100%. And instead, we need to invite him into our relationships. And so Jesus was weeping. Yeah. But he was weeping not just over a city. And man, I want us to, man, I, like I love Las Vegas. I love Sin City. Sometimes people come here and go, there's oppression. No, no, come on. Where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. Amen. And so, man, I want to I weep over our city. I want to love our city. I want our city to know us for the love of God and that, they, that our city gives their life to Jesus, right? But Jesus was weeping over the human condition. You know what the human condition is? That's, that's the brokenness of this world. That is the... You know, even, uh, I'm probably referencing my grandma a lot, but at 90 years old, she's going, the world's getting so much worse than it was in the 1940s, 1950s. I was like, Grandma, it's worse than it was last week. (laughs) But Jesus was weeping over a broken and sinful world, a hopeless world, a selfish world, a scared world. It's a scary place out there, A, a world that's overcome by sin and by death, a world that has no peace. In Romans chapter 5, verse 6 to 8, Paul gives us an insight on this. He says, when we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time. And he came at, right the, at just the right time and died for us sinners. That we're all sinners. We all fall short of the glory of God. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person. Though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God shows his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we're still sinners. I think somebody needs to hear this today. Jesus didn't come to make you lovable. He came because he loves you. He loves you. John, 1 John chapter 3 says, Dear children, let us not merely say that we love each other, but let us show the truth by our actions. Our actions will show that we belong to the truth so we'll be confident when we stand before God. We will be secure when we stand before God. That, that loving people is a byproduct of realizing how much Jesus loves us. Yes. Yes. That when we realize how much Jesus loves us, then we can love our city. When we realize how much Jesus loves us, then we can love our neighbor. Then we can hand out an Easter invite. Then it's not weird or strange because that Easter invite can be light 
in a very dark place. That Easter invite can be the bridge or the gap that helps that individual come to the next, to come into the saving knowledge of Jesus. Can I be honest? I think sometimes we forget that there's a human condition. I think sometimes we think I just don't like that person. Yeah. Or they're not my type of people or it's not my vibe or blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. I think sometimes. Man, Mike's don't like me today, huh? Man, I just... I think, <laughs> let's try oh, we're going to do another one here, huh? All right, Abby, thank you. This one has a lot of reverb. Take place to... Oh, sorry. <laughs> it wasn't on. <laughs> <laughs> but I do. I think we need to... What, what salvation does, friends, is that it reframes our lives. Yeah. It reframes what we've gone through. We, we can look through the hardships and the frustrations and say, okay, mm-hmm. God, I can see how your hand was on me. I can see how your presence was with me. Even when I didn't recognize you, God, you were continually offering this peace to me. And so when we remind ourselves of the human condition, it gives us compassion for people. That's right. Think about your coworker. Your coworker who frustrates you or your boss or your family member or the estranged person who's a friend and now you have no idea where they are. The person on the corner, the person driving um, just way too fast or wreck, whatever. The person who rubs you the wrong way. Somebody who cuts you off, is that what you're saying? No. Oh, okay. (laughs) Maybe. But that person also has the same human condition that you had. Right. And the only difference is is that I have accepted Jesus' salvation into my life. But I'm to be a bridge for that, friends. I'm to be a representation, you know. Yes, amen. I think we think about how sad it was that Jesus said, I was peace. You laid out all these palm branches for me. You laid down the garments. You, You called me king, but you did not know that my role was to bring peace for your souls. Peace and relationship between you yeah. and the Lord. And the scripture said it, Pastor Jeremy said it. They did not recognize God was with them. Right. Do you know, friends, that people may not recognize Jesus, but they recognize you. Yeah. And if we are living a life overflowing That's with the right. love of God in our lives, if we right. know who we are in Jesus, yeah. friends, they can recognize Jesus through me. That's right. What a wonderful opportunity that we have. Do you know that love is compassion? Right. Throughout scriptures, yeah. It says on multiple occasions that Jesus, when moved by compassion, did such and such. I want you to think of that triumphal entry. He was going into Jerusalem, riding on that colt, making a king's entrance. If you read, he got a little frustrated as he went into the temple and he saw that people were selling things in the temple. And he said, no, 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 this is not a den of thieves. My, My God's house is a house of prayer. And he cleaned them out. But do you know the moment that he cleaned out the temple, with compassion he healed people. So the same people that weren't believing him, the same people that were rejecting him, who were to his face saying, I don't believe, he still brought sight to the blind and he still healed people. It's amazing what compassion does. When you have compassion, it doesn't matter if people are rejecting you. It doesn't matter how they've treated or what they've said or whether you think they're deserving or not. Compassion is love and action, and Jesus moved in it. I want you to think, again, under the pressures of the crowd and the cross, in that that week long of Jesus still being on this earth before his death, he healed in the temple. He washed the disciples' feet. Sitting at a table knowing that Judas was going to betray him, knowing that Peter would deny him three times, he still took a bowl of water and a cloth and an apron around his waist, and he washed his disciples' feet. Yeah. With compassion, he served. 
I want you to think about this. When he was nailed on the cross and dying and breathing his last breath, he saw the pain of his mother. And he looked at his disciple and he said, this is your mother now and this is your son. So in compassion, as he is literally giving his last breaths on the cross, with compassion he made sure my mother is taken care of and my disciple is taken care of. Still comforting in compassion. Friends, do you know that our bad days are not a get out of compassion card for our lives? No. When you're having a bad day on your worst day, we still have to show the examples of the cross and I can still be compassionate. And that's just like Jesus, isn't it? Use me on my worst day, God. You could be feeling like garbage because you just went beep, 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 beep on your way to work. You get into work, God, I'm so sorry. And then you have a moment where God brings someone into your path. And you can either choose to be in shame and not do anything, or you can choose that my God died for me, the sinner, and I can move in compassion and still be used by the hand and feet of God. Amen. It's compassion. Amen. And then think about it. On the cross, he forgave the thief, extended salvation, and said, today you will be with me yeah. in paradise. Dying, Jesus was still acting in compassion, still aware. Do you know what, what compassion does? It gives you eyes to see. Yeah. It gives you eyes to see people, but then it gives you a heart and an unction to do something about what you see. It's a beautiful thing that we get to do. Yeah, I think about sometimes my worst days become my most powerful days of ministry. Where I don't feel like it. or um, Kind of this, this, even this culture of saying, you know, you feel fake, you know, or um, wh- whatever the context is. And I begin to realize, really, it's an attack of the enemy because I'm carrying, a, I'm carrying the good news of Jesus Christ. And I have begun to notice that it's not just, oh, that person's a jerk or that person's mean. That person just hates people. But begin to look at people and go, they're just hurting. And hurting people hurt people. Can you imagine a life without peace? We all can. But saying, man, it's a daily journey for me. I'm going to bring people along with me on the journey. And so what's interesting is Jesus, he dies on the cross. And I love that analogy. He's on the cross and he's like, like it's, it's, I'm talking about Jesus next week for Easter. I'm talking about the cross and what he went through on the cross and how the cross applies to us. So I encourage you, bring someone who's like, hey, it's just going to be church. I'm taking a whole new context of why the cross matters to them and why the cross matters to us. But on the cross, he is, he's trying to breathe and the nails are in his wrist and just this whole picture of, of how he died on the cross. And there on the cross, he's going, you will be with me in paradise. Yeah. I need you to take care of my mama. I, mean, I feel like that's like you. Like, he's like, you know, like try to get everything done because of the love and compassion for people. So Jesus dies, he rises again, spends some time with the disciples, and then he ascends into heaven. And this is what he says before he, he leaves. And Jesus came and he said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, so go therefore and make disciples. He didn't just say, go therefore and know who you are. Go, therefore, and be going to go on a self-discovery. Go, therefore, and be healed and be better. He wants that. But then he says, i got to leave the final instructions. Because for three years I've been teaching you and loving you and discipling you. But now I need you to go, therefore. And, friends, I really believe, man, we, like, like we can get to heaven. And we can get to heaven with issues and all those different things. But really the question is, is who we bring it with us to heaven? 
man, who will we bring with us to heaven? And he says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe what I have commanded you, teaching them to observe your life, teaching them to to observe our compassion and our love. Friends, I don't want to be known for what we're against. I want to be known for what we're all about. And we're all about Jesus, Jesus. And he said, behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. So we're going to kind of sneak in one more lesson. The first one is secure my identity. Second one is is compassion for humanity. I really want us to connect those two dots. To know I know who I am in Christ. My God, tell people about him. Jesus did not come to this earth and then go in the cave. He didn't come to this earth, grab 12 guys and say, let's just have a secret, uh, you know, uh, exclusive meeting. Jesus said, maybe we got to go the highways and byways. Man, we got to go here and there. But then he chose to leave and he chose to send us. He chose to send us. So the last one is it matters for eternity. Every single day matters for eternity. So I want to give you a relational challenge today. But before I do, I want you to understand that, man, eternity matters. To have an eternal mindset. If I were to take a, a piece of rope and the rope went all the way up to North Las Vegas, all the way to Overton, I'm going to test your geography, all the way to Salt Lake City, you know what I mean? Like, and went all that way, and it was a long rope. And I'd say, that rope's eternity. But if I put a small piece of red tape on it and say, this is our life, zero to 100 years old. What we do in this world is really tiny, but what we do for eternity really begins to matter. And so I'm going to give you a relational challenge today. The first one is I want you to have an identity check. I want you to write this down. I want you to ask this question today. To ask yourself, man, am I influenced by the cross or am I influenced by the crowd? And the crowd, maybe, maybe some of the context of the crowd is, is coworkers, uh, friends. And Even I'm going to take family. a step. Even huh? family. Friends. Why do you always beat me to the punch? Golly. <laughs> but I want to encourage you. Maybe it's, maybe it's friends. That have, that have, maybe it's those friends and relationships that you have in your life that took you in when no one else would take you in. They might be influencing you the wrong way or the wrong direction. And yes, it's family too. And I love my family, but the cross has to come first. I have to pick up my cross daily. And you know what that does though? It doesn't ostracize, it doesn't cut off. It really should improve my relationships. It should improve my family relationships. I would even say if you're having a hard time, well, who am I? Mm-hmm. Jesus knew that he was the king of kings. Yeah. He knew he was God in flesh. Right. He knew his purpose, his mission. Every day he knew what the will of the Father was and what he was supposed yeah. to do on this earth. But what about me? We, we have a wonderful resource for all of us to enjoy on our church center app. We, we put up there, uh, who am I in Christ? Yeah. What's my identity? So if you're wondering, do I just open up my Bible and say, well, God, show me something. We've <laughs> listed dozens yeah. of characteristics that are yours now because of accepting Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Right. So if you go to avenuechurch.cc slash events or you go on that church center app, mm-hmm. you're going to see it right there, my identity in yeah. Jesus. And so I encourage you, spend some time before the Lord and investigate God, who speaks louder in my life? The pressures of the people around me? Or God, am I so overwhelmed by the love and the purpose of the cross 
that this is encompassing my whole being. And hear me, it's a journey. So if you're not as far along as you want to be, friends, you can get there. Philippians 1, 6 says that I can be confident in this, that Jesus who began a good work in me will carry it out into completion. So all of us are a work in progress. All of us are are, are being molded into what God wants us to be. And so the next one is a compassionate act. That's right. And this is kind of twofold. Is I encourage you, be, be looking for ways to give up compassion. But friends, we miss things if we're not looking for things. I mean, I'm talking about, you leave here today and go, I'm going to do a compassionate act today. And I'm going to do one that kind of benefits me. I'm going to do one that's pre-planned. And go ahead and do that. But as you begin to look, God's going to all of a sudden bring people your way that need your compassion. And compassion is not convenient. Mm -hmm. Say that with me. Compassion is not convenient. Compassion is not convenient. No. If you already accept the truth that it's probably not going to be convenient, then you've already settled the cost in your mind. That's right. That God, I am willing and I am able that should you place someone in my path, should I see someone, Holy Spirit, that you say, yes, this is for me to do, or this is for me to say, that God, I'm so privileged to be the hands and feet of Jesus. I'm so privileged to go there for and do whatever. So hear me, whether it's sharing the good news of Jesus, whether it's prayer, or maybe it's like what the Lord did, washing feet. Maybe it's a simple act to say, I see you and I value you. Maybe it's helping out with a grocery. You don't know what it may be, but the Lord will show you what it will be. But settle the idea now that it's probably not going to be convenient, but it's worth it. That's right. It's worth it. The last one is invite to Easter. You know, we kind of have a saying with our, um, our, our our culture code, our A team. Um, our staff as well. But really, it's, it's success is not what you did. And for some of us, and I commend you, like success today was getting here. Like I made it, you know. Uh, success for you is like, I'm watching online. Like, Pastor, I did it. It's been wild out there. I need someone to have compassion on me, right? But really for us as a team, we always say, true success is who we brought with us. If we brought a friend with us to church, or we brought five, or, you know, the Easter invites. We have a map out there. We had it out in the lobby last week. I double-dog dare you to take a, a packet of, it's business card size, well, it's five-by-seven size, and pass that out at communities, your parking lots, your workplace, things like that. And that little card is for you, that when you do a compassionate act, or when you invite somebody, you have it, it's ready, and say, man, I would love for you to come to Easter and have a new church, because uh, our church, we won't embarrass them. Man, we won't single them out. Uh, we, we, we promise, all right? We promise you it's going to be a wonderful, wonderful service. We try not to mess up Easter, right? You know, and I, I challenge you, put a dot on that map where you get to pass it out. Last week, someone put Metro, which is right downtown, you know, and their house, you know. And so maybe I'll uh, put a sticker on that map because I want our church to also see the extent of our reach. We have, a, we have a, a amazing reach over this two million person city. And, and, and Jesus is going to do what, what only he can do. But man, I want you to take a moment this morning. we got just a few more minutes. But do me a favor. Will you, is this okay? Will you just bow your heads, close your eyes, wherever you are in the seat. In just a moment, I'll give you an opportunity to stand and worship. Worship team, I want us to get ready with a song. Uh, just for a moment. I can't even felt like during worship, um, 
just our team, you, you just had a new song in your, in your heart. Uh, just, just a way to, just, just, just a new song. But maybe here today, and I just really, in a moment I'll give a salvation, uh, a moment. But I really want you to spend some time with Jesus for just a second. To allow him to do two things this morning. The first one is, allow him to remind you who he created you to be. Of his love, of his mercy. I begin to just rebuke any false identity of Christ that we have. He's not a God the sky that is mad at you or hates you. He's not looking to punish you in every which way or every which direction. There's no condemnation to those who are in Christ. You were fearfully and wonderfully made. That he created you for good works. He wants to hire you. <laughs> he wants to use you and not abuse you. He's placed purpose on the inside of you. I want you to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you today. Let him love you today. Someone needs to hear that. Let him love you today. Because anger, resentment is not easy to carry. Cast your cares upon Christ, for he cares deeply for you. Give him your hurts, your pains, your whys. You should have been there. Why'd you let this happen? Just give it all to him today. As much as I want to answer that question, only he can answer that question.
head with me, please, this morning? I want to do one more thing, if that's okay. Here's what's interesting about, about the Gospels, about the Holy Spirit, about Jesus. He likes to do things. I think someone sent me even a video, right? It seems like forever. But when he does it, it's sudden. Yeah, it's your fault. It seems like it takes forever. But when he does it, it's sudden. What he loves to do is he loves to take a murderer, a guy named Saul, speak to him, change him to Paul, and then say, go to a Christian's house. He loves to take individuals and say, yeah, 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 I know, I know, I know, oh, I know, I know. It'll be on a testimony video someday, I know. But I died for that, and I paid the price for that. And so you are redeemed, you are saved, you are a child of God. We clap our hands and we shout. And then you know what he loves to do? The moment you turn around, walk out this door, he goes, go therefore. You can make a difference. Well, Jesus, I'm not at, like, I just got out of the hospital. He goes, go make a difference. Go have compassion for others. I say, I just feel this, this deep desire for us to close our eyes for just a moment. And I just want you to ask the Holy Spirit, who is it? Who is it? Who is it that I'm supposed to have compassion for? Who is it? Because in there's people in my life, I could say, God, it needs to be this person. He doesn't watch online, but I can say, God, it needs to be my brother. It needs to be my brother. My brother needs Jesus. I'm tired of seeing him hurting and broken. A long time ago, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, I'm not going to use you. I'm going to use someone that he looks up to. I'm going to use someone that's an influence in his life. So I have to trust him on that. But there are people in your life that God said, I'm going to use you love them, minister to them, and to bring them to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Whatever head bowed and eye closed, maybe you heard today, and you're saying, Pastor, I'm that person. Man, someone invited me, or I just came here, and I don't even know how I got this from today, but you're watching online. You're saying, man, I need to know who I am in Christ, and I want to give him my heart, I want to give him my life. Pastor, will you pray a prayer with me to give my life to Jesus? That's you. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to single you out. Just put a hand up. Online audience, just put it in the comments. Maybe the hand emoji or whatever it is. Just put a hand up. I see a couple hands in this room. Let's all pray a prayer together. Say, dear Jesus, lift your voice, everybody in this room. Say, thank you for dying on the cross. Say, thank you for paying for what I did. Say, be Lord of my life. I repent of my sins. The best way I know how, I'm going to live for you. I'm going to live for you. Because I now know who I am. And I now know what I'm going to do. Because I'm saved. I'm redeemed. I'm a child of God. Come on, everybody. Make some noise this morning, everybody.